Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Friday morning, Vanessa Denha Garmo, filling in for Teresa Tamia this morning. God willing, she'll be in back in her host here on Monday. She's a little bit under the weather. It is tis the season. We are in the winter season after all. Uh, stay warm because it's pretty chilly around southeast Michigan, here in Michigan and all over the country. And uh, we'll get to the weather in a second. I just want to give you, we have a very packed hour. And I hope you can stay with us for the entire hour. Doug Keck will be joining us, as he always does, president and COO of EWTN. He joins Teresa every Friday at this time to talk about upcoming programming on the network. We'll be talking with him about that. I just watched The World Over with Raymond Arorio and a commentary from Philip Lawler, editor of Catholic World News, with analysis of the new press release from the Vatican's doctrinal office, that castry of the Doctrine of Faith. If you haven't seen that, I really encourage you to go watch that. We might be able to chat with Doug about that as well this morning. EWTN is such a wealth of resources, information, whether it be the newscasts, uh, whether it be blogs, articles, uh, EWTN Religious Catalog. There's so much information. I love getting their newsletters and their emails because it keeps me abreast of what's going on and we look at the world from the lens of a Catholic and we're able to have these critical conversations uh, well-informed with our friends and family, and that's the goal, is to be well-informed, to be Christ-centered in these conversations, but to be well-informed when we go into these critical conversations, such as the fiducia supplicants, because I know that there's been tons of talk about this uh, all over, and especially in my circles, and so I have to arm myself with right information uh, so I can have these critical conversations in a Christ-centered way, but sharing them with accurate information and perspectives, and that's what I loved about the commentary uh, that I saw with Philip Lawler and Raymond, uh, because it helps me understand what's going on as well, and so I could have these conversations, and I can share uh, this with my friends and family, which I did this morning when I saw this come through on my email. I shared it with several people as well and encouraged them to watch it. Joseph Vasquez will be joining us as well here this morning, Associate Editor uh, from MRC Free Speech America. We'll talk with him about the Associated Press's latest foreign donor. The KR Foundation wants to transform journalists into community activists on climate change. Now, this issue is something Teresa and I talk about all the time in our segment we do on Catholic Connection called In the News. We will look at what's going on in the news, and we, we kind of dissect it. We do, take a deep dive into it. We share information in our perspective of what's going on. And we've been saying for a while now, actually, we saw the height of this uh, really really reaching a height and continuing in 2020 with how the media is handling news stories and not as true journalists anymore. This has really become community activism. These are opinions opposed to balanced news articles that we kind of grew up with as journalists. And the Society of Professional Journalists have a code of ethics which clearly states that journalists should avoid conflicts of interest, real or perceived. Teresa has recited from the Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics several times over the years because what's going on in the media has contradicted a lot of the code of ethics that you're seeing, and we're going to see this now, avoid conflicts of interest or real or perceived. But apparently that cardinal rule was lost on AP leadership. So the Media Research Center has been covering the latest news on this particular story. And, you know, are they really looking at climate change objectively or are they looking at it from a personal interest and agenda-driven? And, you know, this is a conflict of interest, conflict of interest. Climate-obsessed AP reveals wacky eco-extremist donor. So, you know, do they have a clear agenda? We have to – this is why we have to – really understand how we're consuming information in the world. Something Teresa and I talk about all the time. We can't look at things at face value or look at a headline on Twitter or commentary on Twitter and not take a deep dive into the story. And that, that's true with the, the issue we're seeing with Fudicia supplicants is people not re- actually reading the document and understanding it. And are there issues? I You know, I understand you know, the perspectives being taken and what Philip Lawler said, and I really appreciate his perspective. But there are people that just kind of ran with it, and, and they 
tweeted about it and and and, seen, and, and was indicating this change change church doctrine, which it did not. But this is why we have to understand what we're consuming. So we'll talk with Joseph Vasquez, the associate editor, about this story with the AP and how we're seeing this happening more and more in the media today, that it is this is not journalism. This is activism. And we have to understand the difference and not be persuaded uh, by an opinion piece thinking it's factual information when, in fact, all it is is an opinion and it's an agenda being pushed. So we have to know what we're doing as consumers of news. That's why Teresa and I are always talking about going to EWTN, the National Catholic Register, to get your information, radio stations such as Catholic Radio and Ave Maria Radio, and the work that we're doing because we're sharing a, a, you know, news that is balanced but from the lens of a Catholic. And we don't, we don't hide <laughs> what we're doing. We are a Catholic ministry but we're sharing what's going on in the world from the lens of a Catholic and how we're supposed to look at these news stories. Then Kelly Lester will be joining us. Uh, Kelly is a former abortion worker who is now the outreach director for And Then There Were None. She had a four abortions. The worst of all, she said, was the one where she used an abortion pill. And she talks about this, and she said she wouldn't wish this experience on anyone. And uh, women would call the abortion clinic, she said, where she worked and complained that the abortion pill experiences was so much worse than a clinic had told them it would be. And women are being told the whole story. Now, thousands of women have ordered these abortion pills online. And so Kelly Lester will be joining us to talk about uh, that issue with us here this morning on Catholic Connection. We are approaching eight minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio, and now it's time for the news. So I told you there's a cold front in the Detroit area. High of 30 degrees is expected in my hometown, cloudy skies, and it's cold uh, in the Midwest and out east, cold in Sault Ste. Marie, 24 degrees. Chicago, high of 36, cloudy skies. Cincinnati, high of 37, cloudy skies. Cloudy in Washington, but a high of 44. New York, high of 44. Boston, rainy and snow showers, high of 43 degrees. St. Louis, a high of 42. Memphis, we see a high of 46. A little warmer in New Orleans, sunny skies and a high of 57 degrees. In Tampa, high of 64 and cloudy skies. In Miami, a high of 77 and cloudy skies. Then we look at San Antonio, 56 degrees is the high. Phoenix, Arizona, high of 60 and sunny skies. Los Angeles, a little warmer, a high of 64 and sunny. San Francisco, a little chillier, a little colder, a high of 59 and partly cloudy skies. And then we look at Seattle, rain showers are expected with a high of only 48 degrees. The Vatican's Doctrine Office is issuing a response on Thursday to clarify the reception of the Fujuchier supplicants, a widespread international backlash to the Vatican's recent declaration on same-sex blessings. As Catholic News Agency explains, Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, prefect of the Vatican's dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, published a five-page press release yesterday that refers to the new document of the blessings as perennial doctrine and underlines the pastoral blessings of couples in irregular situations should not be an endorsement of the life led by those who request them. Fernandez says the response he has received from bishops' conferences around the world to the declaration highlight the need for a more extended period of pastoral reflection that what is expressed in these bishops' statements cannot be interpreted as doctrinal opposition because the document is clear and definitive about marriage and sexuality. Americans, uh, America's top diplomat is heading back to the Middle East for meetings on the war in Gaza. State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller says Secretary of State Antonio Blinken will push to expand humanitarian aid to Gaza when he meets with leaders in the region this week. A top priority is also to secure the release of more hostages held by Hamas. The visit comes and concerns the war between Israel and Hamas is expanding in the region. The Defense Department is confirming an American airstrike killed an Iran-backed militia leader in Baghdad Thursday. Simmons has more on why the U.S. made the decision to do so. U.S. bases in the Middle East have been hit over a hundred times by various Iran-backed militias, according to the Pentagon. But Iraq, furious, saying the assassination breaks agreements it had with Washington. 
Brigadier General Pat Ryder told reporters the militia leader was actively involved in planning and carrying out attacks on U.S. forces in the region. He said no civilians were harmed in the strike. The U.S. military has faced increasing attacks by Iranian-backed groups in Syria and Iraq since the start of the Israeli-Hamas war. Iranian leaders are vowing revenge for the nearly 100 victims of Wednesday's bombing attack. The NTSB is launching a team to investigate the collision of two New York City subway trains on Manhattan's Upper West Side. Paul DeCastro reports. A team of investigators are arriving this morning. Some 26 people suffered minor injuries Thursday afternoon after a northbound one train rear-ended a park train out of service leading to a derailment just north of the 96th Street subway station. The FDNY evacuated the train with some 300 commuters on it, while another train behind it with hundreds of people on it also had to be evacuated. Service on the one and three lines is partially suspended, and trains on the two line are being rerouted this morning as crews work to make repairs. Communities across the tri-state area are bracing for a storm that expected to bring snow, sleet, rain, and this rain this weekend. Some areas are under winter storm watches as the first major storm this winter heads our way. Forecasters say the storm will move into the region late Saturday into Sunday, bringing snow or wintry mix. New York City could see a dusting to three inches, while the heaviest snow is expected to fall in areas north and west of the city. Folks there could see three to six inches of snow. South Dakota GOP Governor Kristi Noem is addressing reports that she may, she may be on former President Trump's shortlist of VP running mates. Noem is currently in her second term as governor. Before that, she served as a member of Congress for nearly a decade. Yeah, I would consider it, but I, I would say that it's up to him to decide who that person is. She's been a strong supporter of Trump and endorsed him for president in September. I'm Trey Thomas. Federal prosecutors are charging two men with scoring more than $8.5 million running a scam on vacation rental sites on Airbnb and Verbo. Martin Estrada with the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles said on Thursday that 35-year-old man from Miami and a 34-year-old man from Denver were indicted on fraud charges. They would use these properties to double book and drive out the prices for the properties. When it came time for the consumers to use the properties, it would then cancel on the people who weren't the highest bidders, leaving those people scrambling to find other properties. The defendants are connected to more than 10,000 reservations for properties across 10 states. This holiday season set a new online shopping record. Brian Shook has more. Americans spent $222 billion shopping from November 1st through the end of 2023. That's nearly a 5% increase from the previous holiday season, according to an Adobe Analytics report. Adobe credits deep discounts and buy now, pay later options like Klarna and Afterpay. The report shows that Americans are still spending at record amounts despite saying they're not happy with the economy. A Florida woman is suing Hershey for $5 million because the Halloween candy she bought didn't have a cute face like the picture on the wrapper. Cynthia Kelly's lawsuit filed this week argues that she bought Hershey's cute-looking Reese's peanut butter pumpkins with Jack O'Lantern wrapping in October, believing the candy would look like the picture on the wrapper. When it didn't, she felt she'd been tricked, so she got an attorney. It remains to be seen whether a judge will treat the woman with a day in court or if the lawsuit will get tossed out like two-month-old candy. It's 14 minutes past the hour. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamia this morning here on Catholic Connection. When we come back after the break, Doug Keck will be joining us, COO, President and COO of EWTN. We'll be right back after this. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. What does the Catholic Catechism call the Church? It calls the Church the people of God and teaches that God willed to save man as a people with links to one another. For this reason, he chose the Israelites to be his people and made a covenant with them and instructed them. 
All this, however, was a prelude, a preparation for the new covenant with a people who were both Jew and Gentile, bonded not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. The covenant is sealed in the blood of Christ, who is the head of the people of God. The Spirit that anointed him flows from him to the body, the people. One becomes a member of the people of God through faith in Jesus Christ and baptism. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. You're listening to Ave Maria Radio. Ave Maria Radio. CMF Curo is a Catholic health care ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health, spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. joins Teresa Camio every Friday here on Catholic Connection to give us an update on EWTN and its programming. Doug Keck is with us, President and COO of EWTN. Happy New Year, Doug. God bless you. How is everything going? Yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, great to be with you, Vanessa. Uh, best to Teresa and Andrew and the whole crew. Uh, you know, uh, it's a, it's great for EWTN. Uh, we, we we lost somebody very special at EWTN. My uh, my better half on bookmark, Lee South, the great producer for twenty five plus years, who uh, booked all the guests and coordinated everything for us, and really was like a den mother at EWTN. And and so she'll be greatly missed by certainly the employees who will miss her daily presence and her cookies, uh, and, and everybody else who ever dealt with the network who came through, who always would comment on how welcoming. Lee was so we ask everybody to keep her in our prayers. Yeah. Programming wise, uh, you know, obviously Peter uh, Gagnon and his team had a great lineup rolling out this year. We've got a biblical way of praying the Mass, uh, which is a new series with a very popular host, Father Gallagher. Uh, that will be debuting every Friday at 6:30 p.m. starting this week. He also will be featured uh, next week uh, with Jeanette talking about uh, some of the spiritual struggles, especially the kinds of things we deal with, you know, as we enter, come out of the holidays into a new year. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people are, are, are dealing with uh, losses that took place there or trying to figure out how they can, you know, change their lives around and, and deal with things better going forward. Uh, then, of course, we've got, you know, a kind of uh, big events, the Solemnity of the Epiphany of Our Lord, which is actually going to be at 4.30 a.m. on the 6th, um, because we've got the Feast of the Baptism on the 7th. They kind of double up the way the schedule goes this week. We also have a program on um, on Joseph Ratzinger, Bavaria to Benedict, with our old friend Joanna Bogle. Of course, the anniversary of his passing was just on New Year's Eve, so we've had some special programming people might have caught. They, if not, they can check it out on our on our website and on our on-demand page. So, And we've also got the Salamessi Epiphany coming from the Shrine in Washington as normal. We've got, as of course you would know as well as all of us, that you know Christmas is still going on, and so is yes. that Nativity in Song uh, coming up on the 7th. That's Sunday at 1.30 p.m., so that that's great. And we've also got uh, a new episode of a, of a series we're very proud of called Great Books Every Catholic Should Know uh, with our own Joe Pierce, uh, talking about some of the great books out there and the Catholic spiritual aspects of books like Gulliver's Travels and Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, etc. And Scott Hans on Franciscan University next week talking about living as Catholics in exile, which unfortunately many of us feel like maybe that's where yeah. we are right now. What a great title. <laughs> that's so true. Exactly, Gosh. as we're continuing to yeah. uh, live out our faith. And that's why Catholic Radio and EWTN television and, and the web is so important for people to be able to have a touchstone, place to go to realize you're not crazy, that uh, you actually believe the truth, and you've got to hold on to that and don't let the... Uh, don't let the turkeys get you down. Yeah. You know, and that's why I love, uh, Doug, I was talking about earlier, I love the newsletter and the emails I get from EWTN. It's just a reminder of, yeah, I'm not alone, and I can go to EWTN as a resource to help me grow in my faith and educate myself because I have to do what I do every day on the radio, right? And so I have to stay informed. Absolutely. I have to know what's going on. 
Absolutely. I use, uh, obviously, daily the resources of uh, the the Register and CNA and yeah. obviously our the world over and other news shows we do, of course, in-depth and, uh, and uh, Pro-Life Weekly and other wires out there, Catholic World Report, etc., ones that are out there, crisis, uh, to stay up on what's going on and also reading uh, some of our, uh, our more progressive friends, uh, like America and uh, the reporter, it's always good to understand where everybody is is coming from and 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 what's going on out there, along with the secular uh, yeah. intersection of, of of the world as well. And and many of those are, are things that prompt uh, stories and uh, think topics I bring up on Father Spitzer's show as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people I think enjoy hearing his reaction and take on some of the the, the topical things that are going on, yeah. uh, you know, in the world. Yeah, Father Spitzer is one of my favorite, uh, and you yep. know, and, and you make a really good point. And Teresa and I talk about this all the time, Doug. Is that we look at the secular news. Teresa and I always encourage our listeners look at the secular news and then go to EWTN, go to the National right. Catholic Register. And I'm going to give you an example. The Fuducia Supplicants is a perfect example. Go read what the secular media is covering, and then go listen to Philip Lawler with Raymond Arorio on World Over yesterday. It was really good uh, commentary and information, and you can understand how we look at these critical stories from the lens of a Catholic and comparing it to how the secular media is covering it. Right, absolutely. And it's because the secular media pulls the headlines and pulls the story and spins it the way they want to spin it. And unfortunately, many of these things are much more complicated in a Catholic sense, in a theological sense. That being said, unfortunately, there seems to be... An ongoing issue with many of the statements that have come out over the last couple of years, for whatever reason, people can decide on their own, uh, exactly what statements that can be read both ways many times, uh, where there are things in there that say one thing, but yet there's a stipulation that allows somebody to kind of treat it in another way. It's like in the latest document, uh, you know, no one has a problem, obviously, with anybody getting a blessing. Any individual at Mass, everybody sure. gets a blessing. Anybody could come up to a priest in the street and say, oh, they can give me a blessing. Nobody sure. expects them to go to confession or tell everybody uh, what kind of lifestyle I'm living. But when you use the word couples, then somehow it changes the perspective of exactly, well, what's a couple? Uh, a couple is usually something you, is uniting them, so... You know, if you're going out of your way to promote something that you're saying at the same time you really can't promote, but you're blessing it, it certainly gives at least the impression, certainly in a secular sense to people, the average person would say, if somebody blesses something, they're thinking it's good or hoping it works out. And and so, unfortunately, um, and I think a lot of the bishops, bishops in Africa, bishops in Poland, uh, Kazakhstan, uh, Hungary, in varying degrees, and, and different bishops around the world, have certainly pushed back and said, this is, this, this is confusing. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the Vatican has come out and said, well, it's really not confusing because we're, it's not marriage and things like that. But, you know, I remember a famous quote that I always remember, which says, truth is, 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 is said in brevity. Um, so when when documents and things are confusing, you wonder why are they so confusing. The truth seems pretty self-evident, so why not just say it self-evidently? Yeah. Uh, and it just leads people to think, well, you know, maybe there is something else that that's going on here, and that you know, by making it so vague, uh, it allows people to justify it either way. Good people uh, trying yeah. to do the right thing. Yeah, and unfortunately causing confusion, and that's why I really encourage people to go watch Philip Lawler with Raymond and the commentary, and so before you have these critical conversations with your friends and family. A couple minutes left with you, Doug. I want to elaborate a little bit more on the Epiphany because you talked about the programming, and it's one of my favorite feast days. Uh, because my last name in the Aramaic, Danha, is the Epiphany. Oh, really? <laughs> so, okay. <yeah. laughs> so I love it, and I, I have my own family tradition where my family comes over uh, for brunch on the Epiphany. We celebrate it. So I'm glad we have programming to go along with that, uh, and that's also the 22nd anniversary of my father's death, so it all oh. kind of ties into that. But can you share with us why these these feast days, to elaborate on them, that, we, that a lot of Catholics may not celebrate, but why we share them, these feast days like the Epiphany with our viewers. 
Well, you know, growing up, we always used to call the Epiphany the Little Christmas. That was kind yeah. of how we, we would think about it. But, yeah, I think one of the things we've tried to do, and certainly Mother was uh, very uh, supportive of and, you know, wanted us to do as well, was to keep Christmas the way it's supposed to be kept. Uh, it's tough in the secular world, especially, as you know, some people, at least down south, start celebrating Christmas. They put up their tree before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, and it's gotten a little bit better. It used to be the day after Christmas everything went down. Now it's yeah. a little bit longer. But we we want people to remember that you know Christmas season is still on. Just be, it begins at Christmas, and we and we shouldn't be. Maybe we move from Santa Claus to our Lord. Uh, you know, we kind of do that too, and say, okay, that part kind of goes away. But now we can really focus on our Lord's birth uh, and and all of that that's going on, which then is you know between the baptism of our Lord and and the the, the Epiphany. It's the perfect way to do it. Doug Keck, President and CEO of EWTN. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Catholic Connection. Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio. Joining us now is Joseph Vasquez. He's the associate editor for the Media Research Center, Free Speech America, talking with us today about the Associated Press's latest foreign donor, the KR Foundation. Joseph, welcome to Catholic Connection. Thank you, Vanessa. Glad to be here. So give us an overview, Joseph, of what's going on with the AP and the KR Foundation, and why should we be concerned? Well, the KR Foundation, first of all, is a, is a foreign entity that is based in Denmark, and essentially it is an eco-extremist organization that is dedicated to phasing out fossil fuels from the, from the global economy. I mean, it's, it's, it lists on its website that it's spearing an effort specifically to force U.S. banks to get out of fossil fuels. And what makes it so controversial is the fact that the AP service, that, that the Associated Press, which, is, which labels itself as a news service that's read by over 4 billion people and claims to be unbiased, is receiving money from this group. Apparently, the KR Foundation gave around $300,000 to AP between, spread out between 2022 and 2024 wow. for its Global Scholars Network. And this is just par for the course. Because if you would remember, last year, like the, in the Media Research Center, we uncovered and in in showed in a study how AP was receiving $8 million from a consortium of leftist organizations that are obsessed with climate change, but yet the AP has the audacity to say that they still maintain editorial control over their content. In other words, the fact that they're being financed by leftist special interests is not – we're supposed to believe that that's not affecting the way that they're covering things like climate change. It is a complete joke, but meanwhile, AP gets published on whether it be the Washington Post, reposted by ABC News, Bloomberg. This, this publication is read all over the world, and they're looking at their readers straight in the face and saying, yeah, we're receiving money from leftists, but guess what? We're still unbiased. I mean, the joke writes itself. Yeah, that, 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 it's, it's not possible. And Teresa and I have talked about this a lot in the last few years about we have to, we always say follow the money. You want to know where the narrative is coming from? Follow the money who controls the narrative. And this is a perfect example of the narrative being controlled. And this is community activism and agenda driven. And this is not what journalism is all about. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, and if you just go into the Carol Foundation's website, listen to this eco-rant that they, that they put on their website. I mean, it just makes the situation, the journalistic situation, even worse. This is what KR says, quote, We aim to reduce both supply and demand for fossil fuels by supporting organizations that challenge the ongoing financing of fossil fuels, challenge the social and political influence of the fossil fuel industry, and by supporting the transition to a sustainable economic paradigm. That sounds like a, that sounds like a climate version of, of Marx's Communist Manifesto. <laughs> yeah. Know, so like this, I mean, so, but the thing is, that if you're trying to propagate yourself as some sort of unbiased news outlet, what in the world are you doing taking money from a group like that? But because we know that they've received millions, pardon me, millions from groups that share the same kind of interest, this is just part of the court. And when we released yeah. a study last year of different, the way um, we looked at 64 stories across a year period, uh, climate stories from the AP and seeing what kind of terms that they put inside their climate reporting to kind of frame the issue. They've used words like death sentence. They've used words like um, wow. used words like a disaster. They use words like extreme, uh, net zero, zero. I mean, these these terms appeared across all of these stories. And then we're supposed to believe that this is somehow an unbiased approach to the issue of climate. Yeah. It is it, it's ridiculous. But yeah. AP has influence on the world stage, and that's what makes it so concerning. 
Yeah. And you kind of wonder, too, uh, Joseph, are they taking this stance because of the money or they already believed in the stance and they sought out the money? Like, you really don't, I mean, it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg, but like really what is driving this? Do they truly believe this to be the way to go with climate change or are they truly being influenced by the fact because they're being paid? I mean, that in, in itself should give us pause. You know, that's a red flag in itself, but you kind of want, wonder what really came first here. Well, no, what, what, you know, like, you know, what they, what they're essentially trying to nullify ridiculously on my head is the principle that money talks, and it does. Yeah. Whether yeah. they're biased, whether they believe in it or not, the fact that they're being paid, they now have financial incentive to make yeah. it even more expensive, cater to the interests of their donors. Why? So that they get more money. I mean, that's yeah. just, you know, that's just common sense. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, it, 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 and the thing is, the least of which, the least of, you can't, they still have on their website that there's somehow, and quote an unbiased news source. Yeah. So I mean, they're lying straight to their their readers and and, yeah. and laughing at us that you know that we that, that we dare to call them out you know for being for being uh for being leftist activists. That's effectively what they are. They are leftist activists. They are propaganda arm for the climate change lobby. They're nothing else. Yeah. Absolutely. And so what do we do as consumers? What, you know, Teresa and I, you know, always talk about uh, challenging reporters and reaching out. So so what do we do? Do we comment on social media? Do we email them? Like, what do we do about these situations like this that we're seeing with AP? You can call the AP. You can reach out to their editors. You can email them. I mean, so, and, you, know, as, you know, I'm a believer in the principle that sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. We have to expose this. I mean, the thing is, if they're willing to take this kind of money from these kind of groups, and then still turn around and try to say that they're unbiased, guess what? Their readership has to turn against them. Their readership has to be the ones to call them out. We have to call them out. And, you know, the way we hold them accountable, well, the American people are not dumb. They, do, they could do their own research. They could look at other, other sources. They can, uh, you know, and challenge, you know, what the AP is putting out there. You can't put out, you know, climate charge language like this and then still try to convince people that you don't have some kind of agenda. <laughs> So yeah. the only way that you can do it is by pointing it out, dragging it into the sunlight and said, hey, this is, a, this is a blatant lie. I mean, like, you can't tell us that you're unbiased. Meanwhile, you're getting financed by some of the most extreme organizations on the issue of climate change, like, you know, operating in the world. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. By a lot of money. By a lot of money. And so millions. How can, millions of dollars. And so we're talking with Joseph Vasquez, associate editor uh, for the Media Research Center, uh, Free Speech America. And we're talking about this issue with the Associated Press taking money from the far-left radicals of climate change and then claiming to be unbiased in their news coverage, which is not possible. And it violates, really, the Journalist Code of Ethics, uh, really, that clearly states to avoid conflicts of interest are real or perceived. And this is definitely a conflict of interest. Oh, you know, absolutely. There was no question about it. And you know what makes it even more ridiculous is that there is literally, there is literally like an AP style book for how journalists are supposed to report using certain terms. It's like the Bible of journalism. They have yeah. a new edition that's published every year, and we're supposed to abide by their style. But you know, it, it, you know, but what's, what's ridiculous is that because now they're exposing themselves to leftist activists, you know, their guidebook then, you know, then forth becomes garbage. Because how can we trust that the way that they're describing certain terms in their guidebook, you know, it, it, they're approaching it from an unbiased stance. We can't trust it anymore. So yeah. we really have to ask this. Journalists everywhere have to ask themselves, is the AP Starbucks compromised now? There's just no getting around it at this point. Yeah. What, how can people find out more about the work that you're doing, Joseph, at the uh, Media Research Center? What, what information do you want to share with them? Well, you can visit us on our website at newsbusters.org. Um, you can find all of my work there for MRC Business and MRC Free Speech America. Um, we, you know, the, uh, and we also have a new website called censorstrack.org that tracks the latest in big tech censorship stories. And, gets, and, and if your readers or if you yourself, Vanessa, have been censored at all by big tech, we want to hear about it. There's a contact form on our website at censorstrack.org. Send us the information about your uh, case of censorship, and we're going to reach out to these big tech platforms, and we're going to hold them accountable. So newsbusters.org and censorstrack.org, you can find all of our work there. Great. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and giving us an opportunity to stand up and speak up for what is right and just. Joseph Vasquez, thank you for joining us here on Catholic Connection. Associate Editor for the Media Research Center, Free Speech America. We'll be right back with Kelly Lester, a former abortion worker who's now the Outreach Director of And Then There Were None. We'll be right back after this.
here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo, filling in for my dear sister in Christ this morning, Teresa Tamio. And joining us now is Kelly Lester. She is a former abortion worker who is now the outreach director for And Then There Were None. She had four abortions, and she said the worst of them all was with the abortion pill. And she joins us now to talk about that issue. Kelly, uh, good morning, and thank you for joining us here on Catholic Connection. Good morning, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. So let's t- tell us, our listeners, a little bit about your story, your background, and what led you to become the outreach director and leave the abortion world and work for And Then There Were None. Sure. Well, my story is not different from many women. I, I grew up in a wonderful home, a, a Christian home. Um, however, as a young child, I was molested. And then um, as a early teenager, I snuck out and went to a party and was raped. And that led me looking for identity and looking for belonging. And I became very promiscuous. And by the time I was 15, I had my first abortion. Um, I walked into the abortion facility alone with a lot of cash, a nationally ranked tennis player, a straight-A student, a regular church attender. And that day I walked out and I turned from everything good in my life. I, I ran from God. I ran to drugs, I ran to alcohol, um, you know, just every kind of depravity, from homosexuality, pornography, eating disorders, all of the things, looking for filling that void, um, one, from not having God in my life, but two, from the hole that the abortion had created. And after many years of living in chaos, I looked for a job where I could help people. And I looked in my local newspaper at that time, that's what we did, and saw that a women's clinic was hiring for a receptionist. And I went in and applied, and it was the place where I had had, at this point, two abortions. And they hired me on the spot as the receptionist, and I worked there for nearly a year. Ended up leaving because of the number of women that I saw hemorrhaging from perforated uteruses and bowels and, and all of those things. Left and continued down a path of destruction, didn't become pro-life at that moment because I was still very lost. But then eventually, through divine intervention with saving a domestic violence situation, turned my life to God, surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and became saved and began renewing those places in my life that were broken. And through that renewing, they were appealing and sharing my story, but there was one area of my story that I never shared, and that was the area of um, working in the abortion industry. The movie Unplanned came out. At that time, I was working for a pregnancy resource center in Fredericksburg and saw the movie and thought, oh, my gosh, there are other people like me out there who work in the abortion industry. Went to the March for Life a couple months later, met Abby and the team, came on board as a client, and then about a year later came on as staff, and now have been working for them for a little over three years. A couple of questions I want to ask, and then we'll get into this whole issue of the abortion pills. And just thinking, uh, listening to you, Kelly, I can't help but think of people who have a Kelly in their life, and they want to help them. They want to... um, Bring them to Christ. What would you say to them, uh, whether it be a mom or an aunt or a sister who has a Kelly in her life or his life, and they want to help them? Well, the first thing I would say is pray. My father prayed for me fervently. He was actually a pastor. Um, In fact, the night that my life was saved in the domestic violence incident, the Lord woke him up and told him, my, my dad had a vision of me laying dead on the floor with my head split open, and so my dad prayed. Um, and literally, my life was saved through my father's prayers. So the first thing you should do, the most important thing that you can do, is pray for your loved one. The second thing is you want to give them truth. You want to be honest with them. Um, and you want to do it in a loving way. And that is very difficult for many of us to do because we ourselves have wounds and we have hurt and we have areas in our own life that aren't healed. And so... The second thing you can do is get healed of your own traumas, of your own issues, of your own past things, so that when you're talking to your loved one, you can speak to them with honesty and with truth, in love, and not do it out of, you know, out of woundedness or anger or any of those things. So let's talk um, 
before we hit the break, Kelly, let's start talking about the so, issue with the abortion pill. You had one of your abortions using the abortion pill. Tell us about that experience and what are you warning uh, people today as the outreach director of And Then There Were None? Correct. So my first abortion was a surgical abortion. I was sedated. Um, and my second abortion, I did not want to do that again. Um, I also was in a relationship with a guy who wanted to keep the child, and I did not. And so I wanted an option that was easier, that was quicker, that was more natural, that was cheaper than my surgical abortion. And so I did the pill. And I can tell you that it was not easier. (laughs) It was not quicker. It was cheaper. But that was the only thing that they told me that was actually true. I bled intensely with intense pain, Um, you know, clots and things. I don't want to get too graphic, but I was in labor. And I was by myself at home in my apartment. And I, in fact, had to move from that apartment because I didn't want to return to the scene of the crime. And where my surgical abortion was something that I could kind of tuck in a closet and put away because I went to a location. A doctor performed it on me. You know, I could sort of put blame on someone else and sort of put that in a place where you could hide it away. The chemical abortion I did by myself, to myself, in my home, with no assistance. I had to decide, again, not to get graphic, but decide whether to flush or not. You know, all of those kinds of memories that you don't ever get over. I mean, those kinds of, that kind of trauma is something that um, you can't forget about. Um, And so because of that, I then, I actually had two more abortions. Um, And when I worked with the abortion industry, I tried to dissuade women from doing the abortion pill because of my experience. We're talking with Kelly Lester here on Catholic Connection. Kelly, we're going to take a break and we're going to continue this conversation about the abortion pill and what you want women to know. What can we do for the pro-life movement of bring awareness to this issue now that thousands of women have ordered these abortion pills online? So we're going to continue our conversation with Kelly Lester here on Catholic Connection after the break. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Fire on the Earth's Peter Herbeck. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And one of the things that he meant by that was the Christian people understand the larger story that's unfolding in history. So as St. Paul said, as the saints echoed very clearly, we're now living through just a, a short moment, a slight momentary affliction, he calls it, in this life, which is going to make way and lead us to an eternal glory beyond all compare. The secret to the fruitfulness and the strength of the apostles was that they lived with a clear vision of the future, an eternal perspective, fixed on the destiny of where their life was headed. And they lived with the realization that, wow, yeah, life is very short here. Everything is temporary. Nothing here in this world is ultimately going to last except the ultimate destinies, the eternal destinies of every human being that exists on the earth. And they knew that whether good things were coming their way or bad things from the world's perspective were coming away, nothing could steal from them, nothing could take away the gold that was in their heart, the treasure that they bore. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Peter Herbeck spreads fire on the earth, weekday mornings at 6.30 and again at 11.45 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Catholic Connection. 
I've been asked Dan Hagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio this morning, and we're continuing our conversation with Kelly Lester here this morning. She's the outreach director for And Then There Were None. So, Kelly, you were talking about the abortion uh, pill. Uh, obviously, you, one of your four abortions were using the pills, which you just talked with us about. And now there's a huge concern because thousands of women are ordering these online. So what is your warning? What, what do you want people to understand, and how can we share this information with other people? Yeah, that's a great question, but I think the thing that we need to understand, first off, what you are doing this morning is vital. We have to be talking about this. We have to get the information out to our young people. They are being lied to. They are being lied to about the realities. They are being told that this is a plan C, that this is a missed period pill, that this is a way to jumpstart your period. Different things without using the word abortion. And so we need to be talking about what the reality of this is. And the reality is that these women are not seeing doctors, that they are not being prescribed medication that has been tested long-term for the effects of how this is going to affect their body. They are injecting incredible amounts of hormones into their body. And then they are having to have this procedure, this medical procedure at home, with again, without the care of the doctor. And the interesting thing, Vanessa, that many people don't know is that the abortion industry is telling these women that if they have a complication to go to the emergency room and tell them that they are having a miscarriage, not to come into the abortion provider, not to go to a doctor, not even to go to the emergency room and tell them that they are having a failed abortion or that they're taking these pills and this is what is happening, but to tell them that they are having a miscarriage. And so these women are not receiving adequate medical care if there is an issue. And many times they don't know that there's an issue because every woman's body is different. Every woman's cycle is different. Every woman reacts differently to this. And so women are sometimes five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks after this procedure still bleeding calling the abortion providers and telling them that this is normal. And in fact, they have remains of the abortion still inside of their body. They become infected. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are happening because this is not happening under the care of a doctor. And so it is incredibly dangerous. We are going to see women die. We are going to see women be sterilized. If women are RH negative and they do this procedure, it can prevent them from ever being able to have children again. There's all kinds of things that no one is being told. But Mm. if young people are on the Internet and are on social media, we are more and more starting to see women who are not pro-life. These are women who are pro-choice, who have chosen to do this procedure and did not have the experience that the abortion provider told them they were going to. They, in fact, had a real experience, one like mine where they bled for several months, They're, you know, the, the cramping, and, and they thought they were going to die, and all of these things. And women are starting to talk out and speak out about it. And so it is not that hard if they actually look to find women. Again, these are not pro-life women. These are not Catholic women. These are women who say that they're pro-choice, but are telling their real experiences to see the realities of what this pill does to them and does to their body and what the experience would do to yeah. And you know what, and, and, and if they truly cared about women's health, if they say they do, and that's part of their uh, marketing agenda, then they would want to put all this information on the table so women could be well-informed of what's happening. But yet the secular media doesn't cover this stuff, and there's an agenda to try to hide this truth, and that's why we share this information here on Catholic Radio. You're correct, Vanessa. So I testify for pro-life legislation in the state and also against you know, anti-life legislation I did have several bills that were informed consent. And in those informed Mm -hmm. consent bills, it is simply telling women the risks of the procedure, telling women what could happen, telling women options that they have, those kinds of things. And the argument that the pro-choice side said or the pro-abortion side said was that women are in 
capable of understanding that information, and so therefore, they do not need to get it. How insulting. How insulting. And if anyone has ever had any kind of procedure, any kind of medical procedure. Where's the outrage from the feminists? That's where I want. Where is the outrage to say you're not intelligent enough to take in this information? You're too stupid. You know, basically, that's what they're telling us. We're too stupid. Where's the outrage from the feminists? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's, that's one of the things that shows that this isn't medical care because every other medical procedure, they tell you the ins and the outs yeah. and the could be's and the might be's, including death, you know, all of the things. After your procedure, they tell you the follow up protocol and come back for yeah. a checkup, all that kind of stuff that is missing in this, which is one of the easiest ways to point that this is not health care. And yeah. I agree, we should be outraged. And when yeah. I talk to pro-choice people, this is one of the topics that I really hone in on because everyone's like, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand why that is. And I'm like, ask those questions. You know, yeah. ask the questions. If, yeah. if this is healthcare, if you believe that this is as safe as a Tylenol, if, even Tylenol has warning labels and they tell you don't take Tylenol every day. If <laughs> you find any, like, they, they don't yeah. have any problem telling you what Tylenol could be for you, but no one is talking about this abortion pill. Yeah. And why? The question is why. Yeah. We have about a, not even a minute left with you here, Kelly Lester. Can you give out your website or any any other information before we let you go? Sure. They can go to prolove.com. Um, that will take you to and then there were Nun's website and also Pro Love Ministries website. We have... Oh, did we lose her? Oh, we lost Kelly. Sorry about that. We lost Kelly. And we lost her. Uh, we're, you know, thanks for all. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us here from And Then There Were None, sharing with us the story about the abortion pill. She's the outreach director. And, of course, thanks to Joseph Vasquez for joining us here on Catholic Connection, associate editor of MRC, Free Speech America, the Media Research Center, and what's going on with the Associated Press and this agenda. Uh, that they have, uh, that they're trying to guise as balanced, unbiased news, which it's not. And Doug Keck for joining us here in this National Hour, President and COO of EWTN. And thank you for allowing me to sit in the host chair for my dear sister in Christ, Teresa Tamia, who will be back in her host chair on Monday, God willing. Have a blessed weekend, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you and sit in the host chair today. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo with Epiphany Communications. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connections.